What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 17 of season five. I'm Jim Icavone, and I'm joined by the one and only Jack Smith and boy wonder Travis Ballinghoff. If you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe and follow uh, and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Uh, feel free to drop us a comment and please leave us a five-star rating. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button uh, and, and give us a share. Tell your friends. Uh, let's also shout out the affiliate site, fullpresscoverage.com. While you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net, where you can find the Pottery Bully podcast and the Time I Skates podcast. <clears throat> All right, boys. So we're going to have a guest in just about 10 minutes uh, from the West Coast uh, side of the United States, Mr. Dennis D.B. Bernstein from the fourth period. Can't wait to get Dennis on the show. Um, I think the biggest news of the day, guys, before we get to the nitty gritty of our topics is we should wish happy birthday to the goat, a true <laughs> beauty, Nick Deloria. Happy 32nd birthday, Nick. The Flyers arguably best offseason signing. This past <laughs> <summer>. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I wanted to wish him a happy birthday there. Um, all right, boys. So. <clears throat> Flyers, kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. They are uh, back to three games under 500. They are five, eight, and three in their last 15 games. Uh, they just are. They're just now coming off a one and three uh, road trip, where surprisingly the only win they had was against the Calgary Flames. Kind of thought that that would be a loss. Um, they were uh, swept back to back games uh, by the Seattle Kraken uh, in a home and home. Um, yeah, tough loss last night. They held the lead for most of the game. Third period, the Oilers uh, kind of took over there. But, uh, you know, without looking too far ahead, uh, the trade deadline's coming up for this team. The games, I think, only get tougher as more, you know, uh, a lot of the teams that they face are playoff teams or playoff hopeful teams. They could be in for a bit of a tailspin here. Hmm. So I guess. You know, what What have you seen from the most recent stretch, Jack? Are, are you, because I know you guys are, are more towards the side of, you know, let's get better draft positioning. Are you more hopeful with recent play and, you know, future scheduling that, hey, this could be the time where they actually put a string of losses together? And, you know, they do end up getting a, a bottom five to six pick. Oh, I mean, that's always in the back of my mind. Like, I can't help it. Even when they win or get a point in overtime, like I have some kind of emotion directly connected to the, the draft. Like it just happens. Yeah. Uh, but as far as their play, like, which is so funny because they came out of the, they came out of the break and you know, the record was still bad, but they had one of their better games against Edmonton and that two to one win, like just overall really good game. And then, you know, they lose in overtime to Nashville, they lose to Seattle and they were a game where I really think they wanted a point. They have three days off and then they just, they have the worst game of the season they easily. And that's, there's a lot of bad games this season, <clears throat> excuse me. And they just were not fundamentally sound at all. Like they, they were the def they completely abandoned. It looked like they had abandoned everything they had done defensively, structural structurally to get to this point. And it's there and then on as far as the scoring is concerned, they're just they were running and gunning it way, way too much. And they're not that they're not talented enough to score. They need to grind it out. And they they weren't doing any of that stuff at all. It was amazing that Konechny came out of his uh his scoreless streak during this stretch. Um 
but yeah, so the Seattle and Vancouver was a little bit better, but still, still the same rules. Everything I just said applies. I was really shocked they beat Calgary, like you said earlier. Uh, Calgary's barely hanging on to a, a playoff position, and when I say barely, I'm not exactly sure where the points are, but I do know that the team right now with their coach, things aren't going so. You know, I don't think they like like Uyghur very much, and the coach is clashing with some of the newer guys. So I thought that. They had this team needed to win. They're barely hanging on. The team could be falling apart. And the Flyers, they grind out a good win here, good, a good comeback for two horrible games. And then Edmonton was just they're, they're, it looks like they're starting to play a little bit better. Edmonton was a it was a it was a I really like Noah Cates in this game. I, was, I don't want to analyze every single game, but um, I just felt like they came out of the break a little sluggish, had a really good game, and then just just completely forgot what they had done to at least make games competitive. But it seems like they're getting a little bit back to the competitive now. Might you say Calder Cates looks pretty good. <laughs> I, I didn't, I tried, I had to stop myself cause I was going to keep going with that. And, <laughs> and yeah, what a pleasant surprise. Huh? I mean, he's just for a guy that came mostly played wing being asked to play center and then finding himself on the top line a lot. Like, man, could you, what more could you ask for? Like, I just fantastic. No, seriously, and I'm. I said it in our. Uh, I think I said it yesterday. I, I wasn't a Noah Cates believer. I was kind of like, oh man, like this kid's gonna come in. He's taking up a roster spot. Like they're gonna need a center. Like this, you know, he's just coming in because the team's weak. Um, but he's con- he's been a pretty steady presence in the lineup. Um, I think he's one of the only guys. I know plus minus doesn't matter, but it does. It does matter, I think, when you're a positive plus minus on a not very good team, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and he's, you know, he's not like he's outscoring opposing lines every night. He's playing against McDavid's and Dry Seidel's, uh, meaning the best players on the other team, and he's performing in a positive way. Um, Trav, you want to talk about Calder Cates a little bit? Yeah. Um... A little bit different thoughts as you, but kind of came back full circle. I really liked his play at the end of last year, and I was really hopeful for what I was going to see this upcoming season. And at the beginning of the year, um, they were playing him on a line with Scott Lawton, and I was, like, really disappointed. I was like, man, I thought Cates was going to be good this year. There's no offense in his game. There were, like, three games in a row. The Montreal game really sticks out where – there were three goals that were kind of let in by him. And then I'm like, man, this guy has been so disappointing this year. And ever since like early December, maybe not early December, somewhere in December, this guy just picked it up, at least in my mind. I mean, the guy's shutting down opposing players every single night. Um, they put him on the top line with Travis Konechny. And I think that's kind of where the points started coming. And they're not really playing together much anymore, but, we're starting to see some offense out of him along with that shutdown presence. So I wasn't too happy with him at the beginning of the year, but I'm really happy with what I'm seeing lately. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's kind of how I feel as well. I, I wasn't even really, this wasn't a guy that I was even really paying attention to because I didn't think that I needed to. I didn't think that this was going to be a guy that was going to last on the roster into next season. You know, I didn't think that he was going to be a future piece for this Flyers team. So I really didn't pay any attention. I think I was confusing him for his brother for a good portion of the preseason. <laughs> I remember that. 
Yeah. Uh, and, it, and, you know, I'll never do that again. Like Noah Cates, I think we could be looking at a legit player here. And, you know, I, I was somewhat being um, – I, I was being a little facetious with the Calder question on Twitter, but also, also a little bit not. Like he has earned respect. And, no, I'm not saying that he's a better player than Matty Beniers or um, Mason McTavish. But if you're looking at an overall player, not just offensively, Noah Cates is a very, very good rookie hockey player. Like I, I, I'm impressed. Like I have to say, I'm impressed. Um, am I, am I talking about him like I was talking about Konechny a couple weeks ago? No. But now I'm like, okay, this is a guy that can really hold down a roster spot on the Flyers, and I'm looking at him like the three C, right? Like, okay, this guy is going to make between you know, three and $4.5 million, hopefully, well, not hopefully, but ideally, and he's going to play your three C in the shutdown role that can add offense, you know? Um, but who knows? Who knows what this guy's ceiling is? I've seen people on Twitter going, oh, maybe his uh, career trajectory is going to go like Sean Couturier's. I don't know about that. Sean Couturier was a first round pick. Um, was was Noah Cage drafted? I'm not, or was he undrafted? I want to say fifth round. That sounds Apple. right. That sounds right. Fifth round, what 2016 or something like that. I want to say 17, the year Patrick was, and Frost. He, yeah, he was a uh, like such a deep sleeper kind yeah, of prospect. Right. Fifth round pick. Yep, oh, you guys are right. What, what year? Uh, 2017. He nailed the year too. Yep. Yeah, I knew it was a later draft pick. I remember reading about him like shortly after he was drafted. He put I don't I couldn't tell you the tournament or what it was really, but he stood out. He stood out. I remember hearing that. But he was so he's such a deep pick. I never thought it. You just hear him come back up in conversation, and it's funny because Kate's and Arison are both similar. I've heard about them both the same exact way, and they're you could argue. Well, no, I don't think you can argue. They're two of the biggest pleasant surprises this year. If you want to take certain, you know, Arison, he's you know hasn't played a ton of games. Come on, dude's undefeated. Like still, like it's it's there's there were two guys such afterthoughts to the prospect pool that we were like, oh, when they come up, we're going to be good. Here we go, and everybody's come and gone, and like they're finally coming through, and it's like wow, they actually can play. I can't believe that. That blows my mind. So, yeah, it's really, it was just one pleasant surprise. I don't think anybody saw it coming. No, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, you know, obviously I watched, stayed up and watched the game last night and I'm kind of sitting in bed, <clears throat> you know, waiting to fall asleep. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, let's see what a, a roster could potentially look like next season. You know, I'm trying to be positive here. I'm like, okay, Tippett's a, in my mind, a top six forward. Farabee's a top six forward. I know he's having a down year. Um, he's maybe a conversation for for another episode, but com uh, Farabee's a top six forward. Konechny's a top six forward. Um, and then I, I feel like I'm leaving out another winger, but... Um, <clears throat> Atkinson? Yeah, if, if Atkinson can come back, sure. Um, but but Cates is somebody that I'm penciling in at center on this roster. Um, Morgan Frost, I'm still like, all right, I still feel weird penciling Morgan Frost into a center spot. Um, but he's a guy, I think. Um, and I, I would like to continue this conversation uh, on the flip side here. But our guest has just joined. Let me bring him in. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Mr. Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. Dennis, DB, thanks for hanging out. How are you? <laughs> hey, James. Well, thankfully, I'm the one and only. 
there can't be more than one you page. So no, there's definitely not. To save everybody. But uh, <laughs> great to be on with you on Florence Highline. So uh, happy to talk uh, trade deadline because we even got trades today. So let's get to it. Yeah, how about that? Uh, Arizona traded a defenseman, huh? It wasn't Jacob Chikrin. <laughs> exactly. Jacob Chikrin's probably tapping Billy Armstrong on his shoulder saying, let's go. And then Zaitsev going to Chicago here late in the afternoon for a great move by Chicago, getting defenseman to take on that contract in the second and the fourth as well. So things are starting to percolate a little bit. You know, not everything's going to go down to March 3rd, but uh, two interesting moves. And look, every time you get to a trade deadline, you're always talking about defense. It's always a commodity. Teams are looking for uh, here's evidence of two today. And we still have Gabrikov. We've got Chikrin out there. Uh, so it's uh, it's going to be busy up until the third. I'm not sure there's going to be big deals on the third because the, the trend right now is the high-value players like a Horvat, like an O'Reilly. You want that guy on the team as soon as possible. So once the price is met, there's not a lot of negotiation. These guys have jumped on with their new teams. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> I thought that Ottawa trade was was interesting. Are they – obviously they're clearing cap. But do you mm-hmm. you have any idea for what? Or is it just to maybe sign to Brinkett? Or are they going to make a play for a defenseman here? Yeah, they've been looking for a right defenseman for like two years. Yeah. And Dorian was in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, and the Kings have a surplus of right defensemen. So that, that's the move. What player it is, not sure. But, yeah, and they have to – I assume when you trade for Debrinket, you're going to resign him, right? So, yeah, they need money for Debrinket, and they need for some other acquisitions. And look, that team is not far away. I know team. some people had picked Ottawa to make the playoffs this year and looked at their blue line, looked at their goaltending, saying not quite yet. But Stuso's Stu- been great. G is great. He's very happy in Ottawa playing there. So they're a team on the rise. And, and I think what the issue is with this team as well is that they won't add right now because what's happening? The team's going to get sold. And when you hear a billion dollars for the Ottawa Senators, wow, okay. I guess business isn't that bad in the NHL. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I don't suspect like a big move for Ottawa right now. They want to get past the the, uh, the new ownership situation. Once they do, and I assume that happens by the offseason, you look for them to add and maybe significantly because there are 13 that's on the rise. Absolutely. And <clears throat> so obviously we're Flyers podcast. Uh yeah, we have questions about some of the Flyers players. If if you've heard anything on, I mean, it seems like the Flyers have been sellers for the last however many years now at the deadline. Um, have you heard anything on a player like JVR? Do any teams out west have an eye on 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 JVR? Yeah, I think so. I think well, and here's the thing: there might be even an East team, James, because you know, started on left wing for the Islanders on the top line tonight, Matt Martin. And so wow. the Barzil injury is big, right? And they have kids like, you know, Holmstrom and, you know, Hutchin Fashing. So as a depth player, because the Islanders are not a speed team, right? So could JVR fit their style of play and give them goals down the stretch? Yeah, I'm not sure what they do at this point because they're kind of teetering here. They actually might be sellers if they don't win tonight against Winnipeg and lose the next couple of games. I think a team like Minnesota – what blocks JVR going from Minnesota is that now they're interested in Brock Bezer, where I think if you're going to make a trade, it would be Brock Bezer. Uh, the other issue is that both with JVR and Kevin Hayes, and then a team like Calgary. And then you have the kid Jacob Pelletier, who sort of made fun of and he didn't know who, what his number was in the lineup a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Jacob Pelletier is on the top six right now. So JVR could fit in Calgary. And Dallas. The assumption in Dallas is Patrick Kane, right? Because he's a right side player. 
Um, they need help on the right side. But if that falls soon, that's too pricey. JVR, so JVR could be an option, but like with Kevin Hayes, you're going to have to retain. Like Kevin Hayes at $5 million, would he help Carolina or Colorado? Sure would. And so that's the challenge. That's the challenge for Fletch right now is, is you're going to have to make deals. You're going to have to make it – you have to sweeten it by retaining and probably adding to it. But but there are – I think those two guys, because they bring offense, the defense – I think the defense is off is offseason trades, either pro or Sanheim, who was healthy scratch the last game, which is no big deal. Um, but I think that's what you look at. So if you're looking for trades to, for the Flyers to make right now, I know that you mentioned maybe a sealer or a Braun – to me, that's a, like a March 3rd deal for like a fifth round pick. Yeah. Like It's not right now. It, it, on championship teams, those guys, even though they're affordable, they're, they're insurance policies. They're not difference makers. Where, look, if you put Hayes on one of those two teams I just mentioned, he could be a difference maker because the one thing Colorado, and I know they've been hurt all year, and I'm a cars out again, and there's some doubt about them, but they never replaced Nas Kadri. Like, JT Comfort is not the guy. Alex Newhook's not the guy. So even if they were fully healthy, they're not as good as last year. The one benefit for Colorado is that the West isn't that strong. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Flyers do uh, right now up to March 3rd. But And I don't know how patient this GM can be because I'm not sure the team's going to be there. So it's going to be interesting in the offseason what they do. But I think there will be significant movement like in the offseason with this team. I think either Sanheim or Pro is going to go because uh, the team needs more offense, without question. And I know that Cam's been hurt. And Couturier, who knows with him. Uh, but when you look at this team, I, I, it sees, okay, offense. Right? And because the, if you look at the defense, I think they've given up 10 less goals than Detroit, and they've played three more games. It's not that horrific. Like, it's not great. But I, I think that with this team, I look at offense and when, how you're going to add to this team offensively in the offseason. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Sanheim as a potential. I mean, not as – not like they're shopping him, but, you know, either Sanheim or Provorov could get moved and Sanheim's eight-year contract kicks in next year. I mean, we've seen guys like mm – -hmm. I'm thinking back, and, you know, I think some of us still have PTSD. If, uh, we're thinking back to, you know, the Richards and Carter <laughs> trade, uh, and, and those guys yep. had just signed deals and were moved before each of them kicked in, you know? So it's – I don't think it's unfathomable that they move Travis Sanheim. I just think Flyers fans right now – don't have much faith that the GM can make a move like that. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so it's when we hear, oh, maybe they can move Sandheim. It's like, how are they going to do that with Chuck? Like, we'll get excited for a potential move. And it's like, wait, Chuck Fletcher's the GM. And I'm sure he's a great guy. Like, yeah, this yeah. is not me talking crap on Chuck Fletcher. But, you know, the, the way things have gone here the last couple of years, it's, you know, fans are pretty bummed out for, you know, for, for good reason, I think. It's about results, James. I mean, yeah. you've got a right to rip the guy. Like, the team hasn't produced. And yeah. now you got to – look, the longest – like the, the, the coach is long, has a longer contract than the GM right now, so you wonder what's going on. Yeah. I, I think Torch is a fit. I think he'll get guys committed. Like, yeah, he'll bench some guys. He'll scratch some guys. He'll give 30-second press conferences. But, but he's going to determine who really wants to play hard for this team. And once you determine who's going to play hard for this team as part of the core, then you add to this team. So, but you're right about to, to criticize Chuck Fletcher because the expectations, and I'm from I'm from Central Jersey. I know way back in the day, I actually witnessed the Flyers winning a cup, right? I know how high the expectations are, and it's been a very long time. And the fans deserve better. And the letter writing aside, 
you got to put players on the team. It's great to write letters. And I think that, you know, they look what the Rangers did. And of course the Rangers lucked into Capitol and Lafreniere with respect to the, the lottery, but you got to start putting legitimate players on this team that make this team better. And how do you do that? You can do it through free agency. You can do it through trades. I think the strength they have is, is certainly more on the blue line than up front. So yeah. And you're right. Like maybe you don't trade a guy in the eighth year, but look, we've put it out the fourth read. Like Calgary's thinking about changing Mackenzie Weger. And he was a big part of that trade from between Florida in Calgary. So eight-year deals, yeah, depends. It depends what the return is. I, I wouldn't preclude it, but of course, pro, look, they've talked about San Jaime here in Los Angeles. Pro would be an absolute fit if they don't go get chicken, which I think chicken's going to get traded in 2035 at this point. So, But I think those are <laughs> off-season deals. They're not They're not in-season deals. for, for Like the significant deals the Flyers got to make, you could sell off a JVR, maybe a Sealer or a Braun. The big deals, the big moves are going to be the season the question is who's going to be there to make those deals uh, you know it's interesting you bring up Provorov because I, I think when we had you on last year I think Provorov was a name that came up uh with potential tie to Los Angeles it was either Provorov yeah. or Konechny or but <clears throat> uh we had heard I don't know if it was last year or the year before now I mean Travis can tell me but but we had heard that he was he had a desire to go to a team out west it wasn't specifically Los Angeles, but not too far away from Los Angeles, right, Trav? I heard specifically Los Angeles and Vegas. Okay, so I mean, uh, I think and St. Louis. There is a fit there uh, for for Provorov. Uh, in in your opinion, though, Dennis, would that be more of mm-hmm. would would Provorov be more of an off season move, or do you think that that can go down potentially at the trade deadline? I I think that. Um... Well, if you're going to take players off the Kings roster for a program move, let's say, and it's going to be some forwards, let's say it would be uh, Alex Ifala. Spoke to Rob Blake last week. They had the state of the franchise. He said, we like our forwards. We're not moving by any off the team. So if, if you just want futures for pro right now, that deal could be made, right? Cap issues aside because – and that's the challenge. Pros at six, King, every team's up against the cap and yep. any contending team. How are they going to make that fit? Like by not by, by taking a Matt Roy or or a, I follow off the team. That's an offseason deal. So again, and again, he has he's, he has term. So I, I James, I don't see it like in the moment in the next what week or so. I don't see Pro going to LA. In, in, in the, that would be a shocker for me. It would be more the chicken move because that's been talked about forever. He requested a trade at the beginning of the season to try to accommodate it. But Bill Strong, Bill Armstrong is holding the line big time. That's why this trade hasn't been made. That's why he hasn't moved. So I think that, and the thing with Rob is Blake here in LA, he, he is, if he's not the most patient GM in the league, he's the second most patient. So, and the team is in a battle for the for first place in the division with subpar goaltending behind Copley with a defense that isn't the greatest, that doesn't have a lot of size. So he can have to afford up the luck. Look, if they lost between now and the trade deadline every game, the next four or five games, what do you have to say? Oh, maybe I should make a move. But right now, again, he's been so patient. And I think the type of deal he wants to make is for future. Just for a player like pro, which the flash are probably welcome. And there'd be multiples, right? Probably a first round pick as well. Um, so I, I think it, it, it benefits the Kings not to make the deal, not to pull the trigger. And again, this, this organization has not been aggressive in season. So I, I don't think it would happen in the next seven to nine days. Okay. Um, yeah, that's good to know. I, I guess I was going to ask a follow-up for that. Like, what's, How do you perceive a player like Ivan Provorov? Because I know 
in Philadelphia. He's a player that we were all very excited for. Um, very, Still a very, very solid hockey player, but I'm not sure that he ever grew into the expectations uh, that we had for him uh, since he mm-hmm. was drafted. How is he viewed, um, you know, out, out West? Well, the great thing, if you're talking about Los Angeles specific, like on some teams, he'd be a one, right? A one, first pair. But in LA, he doesn't have to be a first pair because Mikey Anderson has really blossomed here. Oh, yeah. He just got an eight-year extension at $4 million, which is great value because the kid doesn't prove a lot of offense. But him and Drew are partners, right? So you could put pro to three. You tell me Ivan Pro isn't a damn good three in this league? Yeah, he is. And I think that's it. The expectation was pro, hey, he's great. He's can do all this stuff. You know, he's a top 10 defenseman. Well, he's not. But on a championship team, top four, yeah, he, he, he makes a lot of sense. I think any contending team, if you have a top pair set to put this guy in, as a three, you got you got the makings of a really good defense, and that's why. So you could put him with, like, if you, if you came to Los Angeles and put him with Jersey, who's been playing a left side, trying hard, but he's really a right in the defenseman. Put him with a guy like Jersey, he goes up the ice. That would be really, really good pairing. Or a kid like Brant Clark comes in. You put him with a veteran like Pro. There's a lot of reasons why they've been chasing Chicken, but also Pro I think is is certainly you know a fit here without question. But it depends where he slots on your depth chart right if you think he's a one is he really a one with a better team around him maybe but without question he's a, he could be a great three and i think that's what the contending teams look at now it might reduce the return saying okay this is not a number one defense this is not roman yossi it's not cam mccart it's not right but certainly this is a guy who's going to block a lot of minutes play tough defense i he's a no-brainer for a fit here but again i think everything is a question of acquisition cost at this point I was curious about you mentioned him earlier, the whole Jacob Chikrin situation. Is this like I thought he was going to be traded a week or two ago? Is this what's going on there? Well, look, here's the thing there's no law in the CBA about healthy scratching a player for whatever reason. Now, he is practicing, he was practicing on his own. Now he's practicing with the team. Bill Armstrong has been a very tough negotiator. And the way I heard it, there might have been a deal struck, and then Bill went back to the table and said, I want one more asset. And they're like, okay, we're not going to have it. Look, they have the luxury of time in Arizona. It's a bad team playing in a 5,000-seat arena. They're not contending anytime soon. So if he wants to hold out for his max value, fine. But here's the, the, the challenge, Jack, though, is that if, if you wait to lead off season, now you only got two postseason runs with this guy. So you might want to hold out for that last asset. But it's going to come back to you if you don't pull the trigger now because now the team's going to say, okay, we only got him for two runs, and he's going to be in his walk year next year. So there's a fine line that they're trying to walk in Arizona. I get it. Like, with a guy with term, you want to you want to total on and be hard about it? Fine. But it, people say, oh, the PA should get involved. No, you can help the scratch a player. Like, it's not fair to the player. Although the player, again, early in the season wanted to be moved. So this is the consequence of wanting to be moved. And having term on your contract, your GM has to wait until he gets the asking price. Does it happen to to be fair to the player to end the drama? That's fine. The issue is you can have drama around the Coyotes because it's not like they're going for a division title for the playoffs. So it's not a distraction. It's a distraction from a game-to-game situation. It's not distracting them from a playoff run. So that's the situation with Chicken. Is it imminent? I don't think so, because now he's practicing with the team, which says he's trending towards playing again, which is fine. I have no problem with it. It's really interesting. I haven't seen the situation. Look, I'm like you. I was pulling up the Staples Center, what, 10 days ago on Saturday night for the Dustin Brown tribute. 
And that Arizona Kai's PR uh, tweet came out about trade-related reasons. And like you, I thought, okay, something's going to happen by Monday, right? And the Kings are going to trade for him. They're not going to trade for him on Dustin Brown night. The next night was Super Bowl. So what's going to happen then? But I would have thought that within 72 hours, that guy will be gone. And it just hasn't happened. So it's – I don't want to bang on the Kai's too much, but it's it's typical Coyotes at this point with respect to pulling a guy on a lot of trade-related reasons and you don't want to trade do you think the Kings are the front runners? They've been the front runners. And if the Bruins go get Gavrikov, they're out of the mix. So I don't really see the other team, maybe Edmonton, but they're so jammed up against the cap. I, I, they, they certainly have had the most interest. And I would have thought it would happen over the summer. See, they re, the Coyotes really like Dave Villardi. And so if they had made that trade in the offseason, that could have worked. But now Gabe, I think, is the second or third highest goal scorer on the team. He's really emerged this year. He's a dangerous goal scorer. So now he's off the table. Quentin Byfield, they're not trading, even though Quentin really needs to step up. Brand Clark, they've said publicly, we are not trading him. So it's a question of what pieces can you – like an Alex Turkai was a fifth overall pick, but he's hurt again. Mm-hmm. Like, is it a Jordan Spence who can play in the street right now as a right defenseman? So first-round pick, who else can you put in the mix? So the, the Kings have the assets to do it. It's the right mix of assets at this point in time. But to answer your question, they're certainly front runners because I think Boston has now gravitated towards Gavrikov. And if you put Gavrikov with Charlie McAvoy, that's a pretty decent top pair. Uh, although I don't think Boston needs any help right now. Yeah, I agree. If if the Kings miss out on Chikrin, who do you think they could pivot to? Um, well, they could pivot to – well, if Gavrikov doesn't work, he, he would be a guy. I think uh, Edmondson – in in um in montreal could be an option as well and, and the one guy who i think is going to get traded at this point and next by the third is going to be jake mccabe that would be another guy to look out for where if the chicken doesn't happen it would be a less pricey situation he would play in our top four you would slot him in as on, on the second pair he could play your 20 minutes tonight i think it would be an upgrade for the king so i think mccabe would be the, a guy that does have some term left that the, the kings would be interested in as well so edmondson would be more of like a rental but mccabe would be another option for the kings on the left side as well the Cal Patterson extension really hasn't worked, and I'm not sure how much Quick has left. Um, Copley hasn't been bad. He's won him some games, but do you think the Kings are looking for a goalie? I don't know. They have three healthy goalies. Like, So what are you going to do? You're going to wait Phoenix Copley? He's 17-4-1, and one. You know, and he's above. He's about 905 save percentage. He'll get claimed tomorrow. Like, Are you going to wave Jonathan Quick, the greatest goaltender in the history of this franchise? who has two rings, who has a con Smythe. No, and he's on a walkie of his contract. So I, w- here's what I think they do. W- once they get past the trade deadline, they still believe in Cal Peterson. Now, could they trade Cal for a guy plus for a guy like Demko, who's out of favor in Vancouver? They could, but Demko's hurt. That's not going to help him now. So, Jack, to answer your question, I don't see him trade for it. Cam Talbot just came back, but where are you fitting this guy and who are you moving on from? It doesn't make any sense. They believe in Cal Peterson. I think what happens is once he ex- the rosters expand, They'll bring Cal back up. His numbers have been solid, and he's been working on his game in the AHL. But as you guys know, goaltending in the AHL is nothing like goaltending in the NHL. And that's the question. Like, so for the, the Kings have 24 games left. So for the 18 games that Copley doesn't play, who do you trust? It's a who do you trust situation right now. Right now, it's, it's not good. I mean, Quick got a, a win the other night, the first win since December 1st, only because – Copley got thrown out of that in, in Anaheim right, for, for giving the guys the business with his blocker, right? So, uh, Jack, I, I think no, I think 
the situation, here's the thing with the Kings, there's two needs, lefty goaltending. Lefty you can fix right now. You could with a trade. You're not going to fix the goaltending because you have three healthy goaltenders. You're not going to add the fourth to the mix. And is this team, here's the thing, you weigh about this team, like could they win the division? Yeah, I think they're three points behind Vegas. They have one more game to play against Vegas. Could they get out of the division? They could because everybody's about the same. But are they a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? Are they Tampa or Boston or Carolina or the Rangers? Or the, not yet. That. So to make that one big move, if they, again, if they had a bad streak here before the deadline and the goaltending went to crap, fine. But Copley played fine last night. They lost a 2-1 game. I, I just don't see it happening. I know some, yes, they need goaltending. They need goaltending in the offseason. I think they ride and die with what they have in net with respect to Copley and Quick. And then I see Peterson after the trade deadline. As a fan of the game, Quick's my favorite goalie of all time, really. Um, do you think this could possibly be his last season? Uh, from a playing standpoint, yes. But Travis, he's such a proud, prideful guy. I know this guy. I've covered him his entire career. The question is, does he really want to go out like this? Mm -hmm. Is that it? Oh, and if he doesn't play in Los Angeles, I don't think he's in the mix for Los Angeles for next season. Who would really take him on? Who would want to sign him? Like, does he want to play for – like, he, he's not Jerome – remember, Jerome Ginla never won a cup. Like, John won two. Like, he's a low-key guy. He's got a con smite. What's he playing for? Like, for pride? He's allowed to. I, I just – this this could be it for him. And plus, he just saw Dustin Brown, his buddy, his number being raised to the Raptors. Maybe it's time. It's just a situation where John's never really adapted his style of play to this generation of the NHL. Like it worked in 12 and 12 of 2014, but you guys know a lot faster, a lot more skillful. And it's just, it's just not working. Pucks are getting through him that would never get through him before. So it, it could be the end for him because what's there more to do? Well, maybe the American record for, for, for uh, wins, but a team's got to be interested in well, and you're scouting this guy. Are you really going to recommend him for, as a number two? Because right now he's a number two for any team, possibly. But I, I think he's going to do like Brown and say, look, I just want to play for one more one team in my entire career. I love it here in L.A. I, I, I just think this is this is it. This could be it for him. All right. Yeah, he's he's been around for a long time, Jonathan Quick. How, won how many cups out in Los Angeles? Two? Two. Two and a con Smythe. So he's – been, yeah, uh, yeah, he's had a hell of a He's been career. a great player for me. He's, he, yeah, he might be the next guy. I know you, everybody's going crazy with statues in LA for hockey players, but he's <laughs> yeah. probably going to have a statue as well and and get his bat, his get his jersey raised to the Raptors. He's been an all time. He's been a great, great king for this organization. And, and and that's people saying, well, you can make a trade. You'd have to waive him, and you're just not with 24 games left in possibly his career. Rob Blake is not going to make that move. The fan base would go nuts, and you just can't do it. Look, could he play better? Yeah, way better. But I think you just ride and die with what you have right now. What are your thoughts on the Dustin Brown statue? It seems like a lot of hockey fans aren't too happy about that. Yeah, all those fans are outside of L.A. Like, <laughs> he, he's, he's on the Mount Rush. He did something that Wayne Gretzky and Marcel Dion and Luke Robitaille never did. He raised the cup as a king. And he was a captain. And he's the, I think the only American to raise it twice, right? Um, so – Look, if people outside don't get it, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. Fans don't care. It was a great ceremony. It's a long ceremony. But but th because people, 45 years this franchise was in the wilderness. Never won. And, and I keep going back to when they won in 2012, there was a parade. They televised it. My buddy Jim Fox, who's a great analyst, 
was on with Patrick O'Neill talking about that right before. And he, he was driven to tears because when he would go make public appearances, the first question he was asked, well, how come the Kings never won the cup? And on that day, he could now tell people they won the cup. We won in 2012. It, it was very, very emotional for this franchise because there are people inside and outside the organization that thought they would never see a Stanley Cup win in Los Angeles. That's how much Dustin Brown and that group of players meant to him. So if, if you don't think he deserves a, 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 a statue, that's great. No one cares in Los Angeles outside that, yep. that, that you don't think so. It, it, it For him, for what he meant. Now, it's a big statue. It was really, I didn't realize how big it was. I was out there when they unveiled it, but he deserves it for what he meant to this franchise in that arena to have the Stanley Cup lifted at was Staples Center. I got no problem with it. If somebody has outside of it, then okay, you're allowed, but then you're not a Kings fan. I completely agree with you. The dude's an absolute legend for that organization. Um, going back to them cup teams, I wanted to know what it was like covering Mike Richards and Jeff Carter. Hmm. I don't know. They never talked to the media. so <laughs> They didn't change much, I guess, when they went out that way, huh? No, Car we, and especially Carts, we would have like, uh, we would tweet, oh, wait a minute, here's the one day that Jeff Carter is going to be available to the media, right? But look, Dean Lombardi was brilliant, right? He brought guys in that were out of, well, Jeff Carter more about it because he was in Columbus, he didn't want to play in Columbus. Dean was never the greatest drafter in the world, Travis. He made great trades. Mm -hmm. He traded Visnovsky for Green and stall and without those two guys they don't win a championship gabrick was always hurt in columbus came to la and lit up that 2014 team of goals i mean he, he his trades were amazing so carter and richards were they were when you talk to him they were fine you just never talked to him and the, and the organization shielded them from the media so but they, they they're part of a reason to get these guys won cups they, they, they were brilliant moves i didn't like the jeff carter trade i still get People still retweet from me from 12 years ago of one of that trade was. Like, <laughs> because the guy was a dog in Columbus. I watched him play. I'm like, wow, this guy really doesn't care. But he came in and he scored goals, and it just it just worked. That group of players were fantastic. Remember, they went 16 and four in, in 2012, and they they really walked through teams. But um, it was, and they're decent guys. Like you see him, you know, pass through the hallway, Carter with his family and stuff like that. They were decent guys. They just didn't like speaking to the media. So it was hard to get a measure on these guys. But when they went out there, they gave them all. I mean, look, I, I know Dean has mis misgivings about what happened at the end with Mike Richards, but he was that was that was the guy that signaled like we are serious. We want to try to win cups here, and we need a player like Mike Richards to come in and help lead us towards a championship. And that's what Daryl Sutter always said. He had six or seven captains. He didn't just have one captain in Dustin Brown, which might have slighted Dustin, but Daryl slide of Dustin all the time, uh, but that that was that was the, the I think that was the benchmark with respect to this franchise being serious about winning cups when they brought in Richards and then subsequently Jeff Carter. That's so amazing uh, because for you guys it signaled the benchmark that hey we we're serious about winning cups and I think for the Flyers things have never really been close to those times with those players on the, on the roster, things have kind of uh, taken a turn for, for, you know, in the opposite direction. I don't want to say for the worst, cause they had some good years with Briere and Giroux and Simmons and Voracek mm -hmm. and, yeah. and uh, Shen. But, you know, I, I think, uh, and I'm speaking solely for myself, Mike Richards, ultimate flyer, right. And you trade mm -hmm. a guy like that 
what does that kind of say, you know? And, and Wayne Simmons was great here, fan favorite for a long, long time. Uh, Braden Chen, loved the way he played, um, but it felt like you kind of ripped the soul out of the Flyers and traded them away. Um, what, I mean, what was the vibe like in LA when, when they acquired a guy like Mike Richards? Um, it, 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 that guy was a winner. He would do anything he could to win you a championship. And he did it at the lower levels. Didn't do it in Philadelphia, but that's, that's the type of leader that you needed because it was still a relatively young team, number one, and, and they didn't have a lot of playoff success. This was a guy that was going to do anything. And, and look, at the end, he was playing third and fourth line. Didn't matter. Like you needed to go to those guys in the room. And that's why Dean didn't go after way back in the day, a guy like Kovalchuk, because there were some questions about his character, but there was no questions about Mike Richards' character in the room. Like he was going to do whatever it took to win. So that was that. And then, like I said, I'm like, okay, this team is getting close. They're getting serious. And that's the type of move that you make. And look, you know, it's a, it's a trade that they had to make because yeah, they gave up something for the guy, but um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like he was out of favor in Philadelphia. It's just like sometimes the belief system's gone with respect to the organization and it departed with those two guys and they came here and, and they wound up winning championships. It wasn't them alone, right? They weren't like, they still had Dustin Brown and Kopitar and Drew Doughty and quick, but to add those guys to the mix of a talented core, that's what you needed. You need a really another sniper like Carter was, and you needed a heart and soul guy like, like Mike Richards. Absolutely. Um, all right. So let's kind of switch gears here. We're going to just keep you for a couple more minutes here. Why don't we wrap up with um, some flyers talk TV and, you know, sure. from the inside, you know, fans are kind of clamoring or clashing. We want direction. And mm -hmm. some of us, you know, hiring John Tortorella um, signaled some sort of a direction. Uh, maybe some of us are talking ourselves into that, you know, or <laughs> because some fans don't generally believe that the hiring of Tortorella provides a direction. So, you know, there's still mm -hmm. some going back and forth amongst fans and whatnot. From sort of the outside, I mean, you're always on the inside sure. because you're a cool guy, but from sort of the outside <laughs> looking in, what, do the Flyers have a direction in your opinion? What does it look like to you? Okay, so the season before Torts was here, yeah. did that team have anything? No. Nothing. I, I watched the I, – I, I get – I'm here at 4 o'clock watching East Coast games. They were brutal. Man. So you don't think you had direction, but you, you, you got short memories. Because I watched that team that would go down 2 nothing five minutes into the game. I'm like, all right, that game's over. Like, if this team goes down 2 nothing in the first five minutes, the game isn't over. Like, the commitment's there. you yeah. got to play hard for this guy. You get benched, and it doesn't matter. Like, he said – he's not sending singles just to Kevin Hayes when he sat him out early in the season. He's at the rest of the team. you got to play hard. you got to commit to playing defense. And there's certainly more structure to their game. Are, are they some shut-down defensive team? No. You watched the Edmonton game last night. Okay, it's – you're not going to shut those, those guys down. But I think there is direction, James. It, it's a question of, like, will the – when they get more high-profile players, will, will, will they toe the line with what Tortorella wants? And that's the question. Like, the really talented players. Would, would I'll give an example. Would Torts work in New York right now with Zibanejad and with Panarin and, and the real skill guys? I don't think so. So for a less talented team, you could put that core in and maybe – up once you establish more structure on this team and you get better players. So I, I like the guy. I covered him way back in the day in Tampa for half a season right before they, they won the cup. 
this team was so bad and had no direction and no structure on the ice last season. Of course it's an improvement. You can't tell me that they're not not in games. I saw them play here in, the, in L.A. on New Year's Eve. Oh, guaranteed win. They went up winning the game. Like they, and they've played tough. Look, they've had a bad stretch here. But but they're not getting out-competed. And last year they got out-competed. So, yes. Now, is he the guy to take them to a championship? I don't know that. And that's the question. I think that's what fans should be asking. Is he the guy to reestablish structure and get buy-in to players and get the team play hard? And you know what? I've been at Wells Fargo. I was at the Spectrum back in the day. The Philly fans deserve effort, right? And at least you're getting it this year. You're not getting the results you want, but you're getting effort. Like you didn't get under Yo and before that. So I, I don't know. So it's right to question the direction. I get it. But maybe this is just guy who, who's a way station and say, okay, we need certain structure in this organization. We're going to get it. But maybe the next guy can, can take us to a championship level. So for right now in the moment, I think he's the right guy. Do I think it'll last four years? No, I wouldn't make that bet right now. That's interesting that you said that because I posed a question earlier this season. If the Flyers don't win a Stanley Cup under John Tortorella, but they win one with the next coach, was John Tortorella a success in Philadelphia? And for all the reasons that you just said, because they were so far uh, the other way in the negative way that they needed to bring in a guy like Torts to get things just back on the rails, you know? Yeah. And so yep. if he's able just to do that and have this team back where they should be competing in the playoffs year in and year out by, I don't know, year three and four of Torts, if the next guy mm-hmm. wins them a cup, you know, in his first or second year, yep. You know, is is does that mean Tortorella was successful here? In my opinion, uh, yes. And I thought it was a good conversation question to ask. Yeah, I, it was. They were a brutal watch last year, and I think yeah. the Philly fans don't show up because, like, this team doesn't care. There's no commitment there. And I'll give you the parallel. Look what happened in Los Angeles. Terry Murray was here, and he put in structure about you know defending home plate and stuff like that. He wasn't good enough to put this team over. Daryl Sutter was. So if you're a Flyers fan, you hope that, okay, Torts put in some structure and maybe it's the next guy because, you know, again, it's a different generation of players and the guys like Torts and, you know, the hardcore, like Daryl Sutter's struggling in Los Angeles, in, in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Like there's some talk of him. They didn't win a couple of weeks ago against Buffalo on the road. Maybe he would be gone. Uh-huh. So that type of coach isn't really working anymore, right? So, but again, it was so, so bad last year. I like the hire for what this team needed in the moment presently. I, I, I don't know if he's the guy to put you over, but again, you got to start somewhere and it's an improvement over way improve. I, I watch at least when I tune into the Flyers games, you know, on NBC sports, Philly, Philly I know I'm going to see a competitive game. Most nights, like the other nights I was done 10 minutes in. I'm like, wow, this team really doesn't commit to doing anything or playing any defense. So that's how I look at it at this point. Absolutely. And, and, we could ask you all kinds of questions for, for why a team would play like that and why, like why, would, why would a group of guys need a, a coach like John Tortorella? How does that happen? How does that get to that point where you need a, 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 the only way to fix what you have going on is to bring in a guy like John Tortorella? How does that happen? You know, do you have any idea how that could happen? I mean, you're talking about well, a locker room with, yeah. you know, had guys like Jake Voracek, guys like Claude Giroux, yeah. guys like Wayne Simmons in the past. Is it is it because of the players? Like, or is it because of the, the you know, the business side of things? Like, how does that happen? 
I think it was the coach, the previous coach, Mike Young, really, he, he's had some success in short, right? but he can't come in and throw a Stanley Cup ring on the table. Right. And he doesn't have guys vouch for him. Right. And so it, it's, it's as simple as that. He's a better coach, yeah. James. It, it, I don't think there's any question. He's a better coach than Mike Young. And yeah. so there's more respect for this player. And they know, and, and guys talk, they know the reputation of John Torrell. Go, okay. If it was a country club, country club time is over. Hmm. And you saw it. Guys getting healthy scratched. Guys getting called out in the media. Like 30-second press conference because he wasn't happy with it. You knew what was coming, right? So guys say, okay, party time's over. We had a good time for a couple of seasons. The team released up. But now we have to concentrate on really trying hard again and, and, and putting more effort in. I think that's what you're looking at. I think he's just a better coach, and he's more demanding. And it's time. I, I think play, players know. Like when you watch that team play last year, you, you know like they were done. Mm-hmm. it's what this, again, in the moments, what this team needed. Again, I, to win a championship, we're having a different conversation. Totally agree. And we're, we're coming towards the, the end of your time here. Uh, Jack, Trav, you have any uh, last questions for uh, Mr. Bernstein before we let DB go? I don't, but thank you for joining us. DB, I just got, I just got one because I haven't spoken yet, so I, I figured I'll throw it out there. When you look, everything sure, you said yeah. about the coaching makes perfect sense. I totally understand where they're, that direction, where they're going. When you look at their cap situation, um, I, I mean, just some of these contracts that they're signed to for so long, and you don't oh, even yeah. know if these players are going to play, how badly does that impact – them doing that transformation into a championship caliber team, or at least a contender yeah. that they can add to when they're completely anchored down by their cap situation. Yeah. And Jack, you agree with a great point. I'll give you a parallel. Look at Vancouver. Vancouver's issues aren't JT Miller or Trayton Bo Horvat or Demko. It's Connor Garland at 4.9 million. It's McKayev at 4.7 million. That's, what kills you like the mid-level players at that money you can't make moves so what does that tell you that tells you that okay maybe you got to trade a Provorov or a Sanhan to get the, the right mix of players it's it's major surgery here because he's the worst thing in the world like being ninth or tenth in the conference like you either gotta suck or be real good and that's the challenge with Philly is that they're they're not that far away from the ninth and tenth like you look at the standings but but I, I don't know how you do Jack, that that's that's the question. Like, I, I don't. Maybe you need a different GM. Maybe you need to buy out some players. I don't know what to do with Couturier. Does he retire? Because he's going on LTIR. It, it's major surgery here because this team does need help, especially. And look, look, I'll say one thing. Good on Owen Tippett. Love the way he's coming and scores some goals. But but to get to Boston or Tampa or Toronto, you're right. Like you're gonna you're gonna have to make one, some great trades and win some. <laughs> Big trades. So you're right. And and again, that's the problem of being stuck like in the middle here. They're not Arizona or Chicago. And that maybe that's not the best place to be at this point in time. So I don't have an answer for you other than saying, okay, maybe you're more valuable players. Like a Farabee. Like I, I mean, what do you do with that contract? It's not tradable. I get it. Like maybe it takes a different I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. But you're right. That's the one concern I would have is that there isn't a lot of flexibility, maneuverability because because the players you would like to trade off this team, you can't. Beautiful. <laughs> I think you just echoed everything I've been saying for the last month and a half. Yeah. Exactly. It's major what we were surgery, Jack. Yeah, it's I love major it. surgery. It, it, it keeps me up at night because I'm like, where is the 
Where's the where's the yeah. light at the end of this tunnel, man? It's not for a long time. Yep, for sure. Well, DB, it was a pleasure having you on again. Thank you for joining us. Uh, where can everybody, where can our listeners find your work and where can they, uh, you know, watch you or listen to you? Where can't they find me? Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> You're all over the place. <laughs> Thefourthspirit.com. My Twitter account is DennisTFP. I'm on SiriusXM, The Hot Stove, on Saturdays from 11 to 1 Eastern. I pop on the power play once in a while. We're doing some uh, great video work now with the Hammer Betting Network. We actually do picks once in a while and stuff like that. So I think if you go to my Twitter account, DennisTFP, I think from there you'll be able to sniff out where all the content is, and especially coming up. Uh, with the March 3rd trade deadline, we'll be very, very active uh, online uh, with respect to news and, and, and takes uh, about what might happen over the next couple of days. All right, well, Dennis, thank you very much. We, we love you, and uh, we're looking forward to the, the trade deadlines uh, and probably, you know, watching the LA Kings in the playoffs since we won't be watching the Flyers, at least for <laughs> this season. So good luck out there and continue the great work and, you know, good luck going forward. Thanks, boys. Appreciate being on. Take care. Have a good night, Dennis. Awesome. Thank you. Man, he's just the man. He's the man. I could talk to him awesome. all night. I, right, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, yeah, I was just listening to him talk. Like, I, I, even when he jumps around, I still know where he's going with it, and I can still follow. It's great. I learned. I learned a whole lot about the Kings in a real short amount of time. <laughs> I mean, you want answers? He's got them. You know, like <clears throat> I, I love talking to Dennis. Uh, had him on last season as well. Very, very knowledgeable. Very plugged in. Um, in my opinion, perfect guy to get on around this time of year. Um, a lot to kind of touch on there. So we didn't really sound like teams were lining up to trade for the Flyers players here, right? Like, obviously, we talked JVR. He's going to go somewhere, but it wasn't. <laughs> a lot of the Flyers players were, if teams strike out here, they'll probably pivot to the Flyers and see what's kind of left in the scrap heap there, right? That, that's kind of what I thought the whole time. Like, I, I see people, they're pissed off. Chuck Fletcher's not making moves yet. But, like, when you look at our rentals and on, like, if you were to make a tier list of everyone who's available, like, it, best case scenario is all the big names get traded early yeah. and that teams have to get a, in a bidding war for our kind of mad players. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Every team we talked about, every player we talked about, it was like, well, if they strike out on this guy – then, you know, JVR makes sense. I could see it working here. We need as many teams as possible to stay in contention. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Calgary was a team linked to JVR. They got to stay in contention. You know, it, it's it's a shame, and it makes me think that – because I know a JVR will at least be moved. It makes me a little nervous about the return. But to your point, Travis, yeah, this is definitely going to be – it could go right down to, the, you know, the, the day of the deadline. Like, you got to make sure that teams have really exhausted their other options, and then that's how you're probably going to get the best move when one team gets desperate. The only problem is if teams fall out of contention yeah. or if there's enough players that go around. Right now, I don't really think there is. I think there's enough teams in contention to make, keep things interesting, but you're going to have to keep it going for a little bit longer. Um and then it's like, do you move other guys when you're putting all your time and effort into that? I don't know. You made a really good point about guys being some, just insurance policies. And, you know, see how you feel about Nick Sealer last week. Are you really just willing to hand him over to another team when you can use him next year in some capacity for a, a very late pick because he's nothing more than an insurance policy? I don't know. I guess it depends where that pick lands. But, yeah, so it's, there's a lot going on. And it's a shame. You'd like to move on from one piece and focus on the next, but they're not positioned to do that. 
I thought it was really interesting when we brought up JVR. Um, I always kind of thought he would be a West Coast move. Yeah, you know, see, uh, I think we were talking um, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Calgary. Uh, in, in recent days, I've even heard teams like Vegas, Winnipeg. Uh, I think even Dallas uh, could have been potential landing spot for JVR. And DB comes right out and says, what about the Islanders? You know, they're currently occupying a wild card spot. Um, Pittsburgh and Detroit has four games in hand on New York and Florida, and they're, they're just two and three points back. Um, but if New York wants to hang on to that spot, I'm not sure how long Barzal's out for. JVR could be a guy. You know, he's originally from North Jersey, not too far away from Long Island. Um, I think he lives right now in Minnesota, which is why Minnesota could still make sense. Uh, I know they were just involved in that Toronto trade, but they still have over three three million in cap space. Um, yeah, like like you guys are saying, uh, the more trades that that go down, I think maybe the better because teams who maybe missed out on offense, it's kind of like, well, shit. Now we have to pivot to JVR, and they're going to be, you know, that's what you want. You want a few teams bidding against each other here. Um, I think maybe once. Timo Meyer gets moved. Is there another kind of power forwardish type player out there that I'm not thinking of right now? Or is, is Meyer the main guy? Power forwardish. Uh, in, in my mind, Meyer's like a power forward. Yeah, and, no one else was, really comes to mind. No. I was, I was thinking that um, O'Reilly might go to Vegas just because he plays such a similar game to Stone. Hmm. But obviously, he went to Toronto. But no one comes to mind. I just, I mean, talent wise, like Besser is definitely going to get moved too. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he doesn't have to, but he sh- should. Um, he would probably make more sense for Minnesota too, because they're going to be weird with the cap for a while. And if they can get him under contract, it, that would make more sense. I, okay. I don't know if I like that fit unless Vancouver eats money though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's weird because I think, I don't know. I, I have to look more into Minnesota's cap to to see what, what's Besser making over five million of course right i want to say six he's making six yeah, so five, five two, six, two yeah. years left maybe yeah and there's nothing really significant aside from dumba coming off the books for minnesota next season he's making six million so maybe they're thinking you know he slides in and takes takes up dumba's salary or something there but if they trade for jvr salary opens up for them next year um, it's just a matter of can we get Besser for a first round pick uh, over JVR, you know? So I would hope that that doesn't happen. And it's like, all right, now we pivot to JVR and let's see what we can get him for, kind of thing, right? That's, that's I um, the play. Yep. Oh, actually, I don't even know if they have the six million because they signed Matt Boldy for seven million Ooh. a season. They're that see. Look, are you on their cap friendly? Yeah, they're probably going to have to move cap. Didn't you mention Greenway a week or so ago? Yeah, Maybe yeah they're Greenway trying to move items. him. Yeah, uh, Travis, you're going to ask Scroll down to the bottom of the page. Let me know what uh, Parisi and Suter are looking like next Ooh. season. Oh, my God. They're still on there. Because that's what's that's really their going. problem. That's yeah, that's what's problem. killing them. That and it's hard, it's hard to blame Garen for that because it was so obvious they needed a culture change like – it's a Chuck Fletcher ran team, you know, they're so mid, like they needed, they needed to change what was going on there. So I don't blame him for that, but like he knew he was going to be in cap trouble for a couple of years. They are, they're going to cost the wild 12 million this season against the cap 14 million 
next season against the cap and 14 million in 2024, 2025 against the cap. Holy and then it goes 1.6, 1.6, 1.6 until 27, 28. Yeah. I'm telling you, Garen's got a set of nuts on him, but man, like, see, this is what I'm saying with a guy like that, right? Because it's not that he doesn't want to look like he doesn't have the guts to make a move, but he'll, he'll make a move because he's just like, we have to do this. I'm just going to do it, right? <laughs> so that's why I'm like, okay, well, if you can somehow get him to believe that he needs a JVR, that they need offense, and JVR can provide power play uh, scoring and, and whatnot, and he becomes desperate enough, this is a guy that's going to say, well, I'm not going to chicken out and, and miss out on JVR because I'm married to a first. Do you know what I mean? As, as silly as that sounds, this is, if, this, if he wants something, this is a guy that's going to get it. He's, he's not going to be the guy that has egg on his face. You know, and there's, there's very low risk with JVR. Maybe he doesn't send a first. You know, I, I think they picked up a, a fourth uh, in, in the Toronto, in the O'Reilly trade. Maybe they send like a second and a fourth or a two and a three or something like that for JVR. I, I think what's interesting there is a lot of people think they have a top three prospect pool in the league. So, like, a way they could maybe not get out of it, you're not getting out of that cap trouble, but a way you can survive it is a lot of these prospects on their entry-level contracts make big impacts. Yeah. It's one more reason for them to add a, a one-year guy. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, yeah, uh, like, like you're saying, it makes sense. Like Jim's saying he's a gunslinger. <laughs> he's got to, you know, hey, if it, the right day, if he decides he's got to make a move, Chuck better answer the phone. Yeah, for, seriously. And, uh, you know, I, I think who just, Trav, you were just talking about, you know, Chuck Fletcher ran team. And I sunk in my seat a little bit because I'm like, this guy is the GM of the Flyers now. Like, yeah. what? Like, Bill Guerin is <laughs> two, he, he, he released two players that now count 14 million <laughs> against their cap. 14 million. It's not like they're just. Dude, they're not cutting Andy McDonald and he's going to cost $4 million against the cap for the next two or three seasons. $14 million against the cap for the next three years, and he thought that it was beneficial to do. That was Chuck Fletcher that, that did that. Mm -hmm. You remember he outbid Paul Holmgren for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Homer offered him like 11 or 12 years, and Chuck offered him 14. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Insane those contracts. Those are the best. So we have a couple comments here. I wanna I wanna get to you in. That's cool. Uh, Kenny Grant is is watching. KG. Thanks, Kenny, for hanging out. The only hope is a restructuring of the front office. And uh, yeah, I, I would more. like to know, like Kenny, like if you're still on, like be a little bit more specific. Like, what would you like to see changed? Like, obviously, obviously Fletcher, I would assume, is involved in that. Is there anybody else? Who would you like to see uh, replace Fletcher? And if, if there's more people that you're talking about, what do you think would like to be done? I would like to, to hear listener solutions, you know, give us something to talk about. Join in the conversation. Um, it'd be fun. So our buddy Dan's also watching, and he was watching, uh, I think, at the end of the, the Bernstein uh, interview there when, when Jack, <laughs> you brought up uh, the, the contract situations. Dan Knightley's, I'm so depressed. We all are, Dan. I always find a way to sneak it in. It's, we can be as positive as <laughs> all night. And I'll, just, I'll just lay it in there, and then that's what everybody remembers. 
I do really enjoy hearing other people's opinions on like the current state of the team and the cap and like what direction they should go in. Like I like hearing that stuff from guys who cover other teams around the league. I find it really interesting. It was great. It was great, especially the way he laid it out too. It's almost like he didn't say they need to rebuild. He just, he made it so much more depressing. And I agree. I agree with the, you know, with the statement because it was how I was like, yeah, it was just reaffirming how I felt. But it's like, man, like people not outside, like way outside the organization can see mm-hmm. it from that far away. <laughs> like that's, that's tough. How about this response from Kenny G Dean Lombardi as wow. president. So we had just wow. mentioned him with the Kings getting um, props too. <laughs> yeah. Kings. Uh, Trev, I, I can't recall, but I think it was a conversation you and I had around the end of last season. And I think Dean Lombardi was involved. I believe it was with you where he was trying to make a play for potentially taking the GM spot for the Philadelphia Flyers. Were we talking about that? I don't remember that. Oh man. Who was I? I was having a conversation with somebody uh, and Dean Lombardi, they mentioned Dean Lombardi shouldn't be counted out Hmm. as a, as a player in this whole thing here. I Um, mean, I mean, maybe I don't really remember it. I do remember end of last season. We both thought Chuck was on his way out. We remember what happened at the GM meetings. Maybe I'm just drawing a blank. I don't really remember Lombardi being involved. I remember around that time, um, I talked to someone who said the advisors, the advisors are very involved, and they get asked their opinions on just about everything. That blows my mind. But yeah, it makes sense. Dude won two cups. Yeah, I wouldn't hate like, that. If that actually happened, I would not be mad. I mean, I, mean, I can understand him getting a shot. Like it's yeah. not definitely not crazy. They're not ready with like a Briere or something. Right. Unless it would I'm sure there'd be like language in the contract where maybe he could take over or something. But like, yeah, I mean, that would it would make a lot of sense. So what I find interesting is when we had uh, DB on, he mentioned that a guy like Lombardi, uh, I think he said he wasn't a great drafter, but he built three teams through drafts. I'm sorry, through trades and, and free agency. Well, if the Flyers are going to continue with the direction or path they've chosen with Tortorella, and you don't hire a guy like Tortorella to tank, they might need a guy like Lombardi. If, if this is how they were going to build a roster – Right, because they're obviously not tanking for picks. So what other way is there to build a roster? Okay, well, you need to start looking for free agents and you need to make good trades, uh, trades that you win, right? I think we talked about this in a show uh, in the last couple of weeks. Enough of these trades where it's like, oh, this guy makes sense for your team. This guy makes sense for our team. It's I need to find a way to win at least one or two trades, like dramatically win them. Um, I think we were talking about the... Jeff Carter trade uh, a, a couple weeks ago. And maybe we don't talk about that trade enough, but the Flyers overwhelmingly won that trade. Jeff Carter, great player, went on to win a cup with Los, Los Angeles, but the Flyers traded him with Columbus. They were able to get a young Jake Voracek, who was able to carve out a, a, a very good career here in Philadelphia, and, um, and Sean Couturier, future Selkie winning uh, player. And, uh, oh, yeah, Nick Cousins, too. Was there one more, or is that it? <laughs> no, that was yeah, it. Yeah, that was it. They were draft picks, but, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they they need a trade like that. And, they, like, they apps, like, they need it. Like, there's no other way that things are going to happen here without winning a deal like that. And 
I, th I thought it was interesting that Provorov came up. Uh, Kevin Hayes came up. I think if the Flyers are going to do a deal that maybe is modeled, uh, not, not necessarily modeled, but is a trade where they have an opportunity to win it, it's maybe an Ivan Provorov trade. You know what I mean? Because um, I'll be I, honest, I, I don't see them winning an Ivan Provorov trade. Mm. I just see him, he's regressed the last couple of years. Yeah. And the whole pride thing incident, I feel like some teams are just going to steer away from that. Um, and like we kind of just talked about it with DB, like if he actually, let, he was talking about Provy on the third pair over in LA. But I envision whether it's Chikrin or Provorov, in my eyes, that they're going to play on the top pair with Dowdy. And the reason, you know, all these rumors about a left-hand uh, defenseman are involved is because, like, he mentioned Mikey Anderson, and I actually planned on asking him about him, but he actually brought it up himself. The dude's an elite defensive defenseman who's locked up long-term on a cheap contract, but he gives you no offense. And do you really want that on your top pair playing with Drew Doughty? Like, I think they want more of a two-way guy, and that's why we're hearing something like a Chikrin to L.A. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I I wasn't sure if he meant Provorov on the third pairing or as their, like, number three. Oh, yeah, my bad. Second pair, but third defenseman, yes. Yeah, but, like, you know, I feel like when these they get guys in like that, they just are constantly making changes, too, so – um, yeah. going back to whether you said if you, we can win a Provorov trade, I'm inclined to agree with you. I don't think we can. The only way I can see us doing it, and maybe it's you got to take your shot, kind of like with Owen Tippett, you find like a team that you're willing to make a deal with, and they throw you a younger guy who maybe has fallen out of flavor with uh -huh. that you think can thrive in your with your team, which is essentially what happened with Owen Tippett. Like that's, I think that's the only way outside of them doing some kind of error. Desjardins, Leclerc trade uh, of winning anything, yeah, and it's it's tough because he's what Provorov's one of their better assets, you know, like for, by far that's tradable. You know, if you're going above Provorov, you're going into TK and even Hart at that point. It's like how right. feasible is that? So you, you, it's one of those pieces you have to win, but how do you do it? I just see it as if he goes to LA and plays with Drew Doughty, or he goes to Pitt and he goes plays with Chris Letang, like. I, I don't think he's going to be the player we've seen the last three years. I expect 17-18 Pro Rob. I expect 19-20 Pro Rob. I think he bounces back, and we're going to end up trading him at his lowest value. And I think the fact that he just get a change of scenery would do wonders for him as well. I, I completely he's agree. Great team. It's, like a, it's like a complete – you know, and the, the odds of us seeing that, that guy that we – well, most of us were all about you know, to take us to the future. Yeah. It hasn't been here in three years. That, the odds of that guy coming back are pretty high at that point. And like, like I'm, I mentioned drew Dowdy, like this dude was an elite defenseman for a long time. And a couple of years ago, his play started to dip. Like he wasn't bad, but his play did start to dip a little bit. And then just last year, the Kings are relevant again. And drew Dowdy's one of the best defensemen in the league. Like these guys aren't robots. Like they're human. They have human, feelings like motivation is a big key and i i wonder something like patrick kane like i understand he's got this major hip injury but like the the blackhawks are obviously tanking um i'm not saying patrick kane's tanking but maybe he just really didn't come into the season very motivated and that's why we're seeing a, a dip in his play like that the same thing could be said for provorov he could just not be happy here 
and not motivated to play hockey. Yeah. You know what sucks, guys, is – well, there's a lot that sucks. <laughs> but more specifically is I think I'm just tired of like, man, this guy needs a change of scenery. And I'm thinking of a guy like Shane Gossespierre. Jake Voracek needs a change of scenery. You know, he got it. Uh, I don't know who who else. Because I feel like there's been so many guys – no, Patrick needed a change of scenery. And and now it's like, man, how are we still stuck in this this period and phase? Like it's like we used to talk about how, you know, there were certain players that, in my opinion, were negative on, on the roster. Maybe they were good hockey players, but I just it looked like they had like negative vibes. And I guess if if you guys want me to be specific. I'm thinking of guys like Gossespierre, Voracek, who were very talented players, but I think towards the end of their time here, they just seemed somewhat bitter or something, at least how it looked to me. And I was always worried that it would spread, that 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 vibe would spread to other guys. And I'm not saying it's – I'm not putting blame on those guys for maybe why Ivan Provorov, in my opinion, doesn't want to be here or you know, if there's another player that could potentially need a, need, need a change of scenery – like, don't you remember the days when players just wanted to be in Philly? Like, it's guys don't want to be here, and it's just like, oh my god. And I actually, I like Provorov as a player. So, Gossespierre, I wasn't so much disappointed about when he left. Voracek, I wasn't so much disappointed about. Um, Provorov, I think he he is what we want him to be, but I'm worried that you guys could be right here that. He does need the change of scenery, and he'll be that somewhere else. Gosses Bear, I knew he was going to – we all knew that he was going to, you know, return to form somewhere else because he needed the change of scenery, and I didn't care. I was like, well, yeah. it's not going to happen here. Go somewhere else. Pro overall, I will be like, damn it, because I wanted so badly for that to happen here. You know, for it to happen somewhere else, I would be a little bitter about that, you know. Um, so I'm just, I'm just tired of, like – having the players that need change of scenery and watching them go succeed uh, somewhere else, you know, like, can it just happen here? Damn it. I think that be, I think the locker room culture that had taken over the last like eight and a half years has a lot to do with that. Yeah. I think letting these guys just do whatever the hell they want and collect their paycheck and just have no accountability. Like I think they lost their competitive edge and then they're always down in the standings. And when you get down in a game, nobody's there to bail you out or anything like that. You just get into this lull. And I, I think, you know, just getting a change of scenery re completely revitalizes you as a player. I think you see like when you go to a good team, like how things are done right. And it's good to be higher up in the standings and beating down on teams instead of being the one beaten down on night in and night out. I think that alone just does so much to put confidence and passion back into these players. But when you're, we were in this shit bowl for so long, like how does it not affect you? Like it's Proveroff today. It was ghost the day before. And who's the future heart now? Like how many players <laughs> is this going to affect? Like we're starting to come out of it with Tortorella. Don't get me wrong. But like losing still like the norm around here. And uh, I, I think that that's why we've become that city change of scenery because the scenery here is, is it's horrible. Yeah, for sure. It's a little depressing. Uh, I do want to get to another viewer comment here. And Kenny, 
thanks for hanging out, dude. Uh, if you oh, haven't yeah. already subscribed, and uh, I think there's an alert button on YouTube. Make sure you hit both of those because uh, it's been cool yeah. hanging out. We'd like to see you on future shows as well. Uh, so let's get to your question. Do Clark and Holmgren still have weighty influence on trades and free agents? I respect their legendary status, but they're still looking at the Flyers with the lens from the past. Great show. Thanks, Kenny. Very fair question. And uh, Jack, I'll let you get to that one. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Travis mentioned earlier, the advisors are being asked about everything. If, if people, even if they're not technically advisors or they're senior advisors or whatever, you know, they're getting their input in, even if they weren't asking for advisors opinions, this has been Clark has been attached to whatever this team does forever. And Holgram's a big influence as well. And um, yeah, if it, I don't think much happens without these guys knowing. And since Every passing day, Fletcher seems more and more incompetent. Their influence only grows. Yeah. Trav, you want to follow up there? Yeah, uh, everything you said is right. Um, what I heard specifically was that it's not like Homer's going to Chuck and say, hey, go trade for this guy, and Clarky's saying, hey, go sign this guy. It's more so they're all just meeting, and they're like, hey, what do you think about this? Which I guess I understand a little bit, but like – I was told specifically that the Flyers advisors get asked more questions than any front office that the person who told me that has ever been involved in. The guy's been involved in hockey since the 70s, so he's seen it all, done it all. It's really worrisome, and especially because the end kind of ended very poorly for both of them guys. Um, and just the game's played so differently now that it's like – kind of want some younger blood in there yeah it, it's it's tough and you got an incompetent gm getting advice from people who are a little bit past their prime and it's it's you know somehow danny breer might come i, I think that's why most people are worried about danny breer yeah he's a good player we liked him he's great you know it's cool that montreal showed interest in him but like, is he going to be completely different or is he going to be more the same considering who he's constantly surrounded by? Yeah. And uh, just in case our listeners have not listened yet, I'm going to post a link in the chat here. We had the opportunity to speak with Flyers general, uh, general manager, uh, yeah. assistant to the general manager, uh, Mr. Danny Briere uh, over the summer. Thank if you. I can find the episode i will post it uh in the chat there this way you guys can go check that out we had a pretty good run over the summer where we had uh lazinski on delorie on uh whatever happened to dander lazinski <laughs> you know i was wondering where did he go where you did know, the lannister go we didn't do a video episode with briere he he specifically asked for not oh, to be right. on video so <laughs> But if I can find the Spotify link, I'll, I'll post it in the chat. Make sure you guys, or you guys can go find it. Go go find us on Apple Podcasts or yeah. uh, or Spotify and uh, give give that episode a play. It was a pretty good interview, I thought, with with Danny B. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're coming to the end here. About a an hour and what an hour and twenty minutes in here, boys. We could talk all night somehow about this team. Yeah, an hour and twenty minutes in. Um, you want to talk about some of the recent happenings before we wrap up with, with the Flyers? We talked a lot about the rumors and, and trades and, and uh, with DB and whatnot. But uh, Sam Erson got the win Monday night on a, a positive note, starting his career out 6-0. and 
Uh, as mentioned, uh, in goaltender, great company with players like Victor Faust and <laughs> Marty Jones. Uh, no, but all joking aside, he's had an outstanding start to his NHL career. And, you know, Tortorella mentioned in, in preseason he was most impressed with, with Ursan. And, hey, maybe he knows what he's talking about when it comes to goalies. I mean, Trav, what do you think about Sammy Ursan so far? Um, I guess kind of the same opinion I had a couple – Weeks ago, when he first started going on this run, uh, he looks very good. The first time I ever saw him play was that rookie game against the Islanders. I had only ever heard about him. He showed me something that game. I was really hoping he was going to make the team as the backup. Felix ended up making the team. Um, and then I guess when Hart – was it Hart who got hurt? Now I'm drawing a blank. But Sam Harrison got caught up, and he went on a serious run. Sent him down for Felix. Um, did not like that. I'm glad he's back. Um, but I've seen too many instances. I mean, you just mentioned Martin Jones, Victor Fast. None of the guys really did anything. Antero Nidamaki, um went on a run similar. Uh, the Hamburglar with the Senators maybe 10 or so years ago. Like, There's a lot of young goalies who get off the hot starts to their careers and then they just kind of tail off after a book gets out on them. I kind of think that's what happened to Bennington. Um, so kind of like what we say about a lot of the young guys on this show, I want to see more. Hmm. But like when I talk about this guy, like this guy does look legit. This guy looks really good and can't, can't uh, argue with that. No, Jack, you want to follow up? I just will what I alluded to earlier in the show where apparently the organization was pretty high on him at a time where we had the Russians kid whose name escapes me, the poor kid over there. Fedotov. Fedotov, thank you. Uh Fedotov, Ustamenko, Sandstrom was uh you know, hadn't really played much yet. There were probably I think there was a few more goalies in there too. And they were he was a name at the bottom that was way, way away. And they're like, we, but we like him, but we like him. And he just, over time, he just rose up that depth chart. And it's like, damn, they must have really seen something in this kid because he lasted through almost everybody but hard himself at this point. And he's off to one hell of a career. But, yeah, yeah, consistency is the thing. I don't need another Brian Boucher in my hands here. That's for sure. And uh, interesting that you brought up Sandstrom. Trav, you had a little tidbit on Sandstrom before yes. we started the show. Do you want to uh, share that on the air? Um, so this is from Elliot Friedman. Elliot Friedman reported this morning. Um, he talked about Sandheim being healthy scratched and he said, quote, could have gotten, or excuse me, uh, quote, Joel Farabee could have gotten that treatment in Edmonton. If Travis Konechny wasn't hurt. Um, he talks about how the flyers are looking for centers. Uh, Kevin Hayes is available and quote, I wouldn't be surprised if Felix Sandstrom is waived to see if anyone gives him a shot. Trade talks have not been fruitful, end quote. So something like we kind of talked about last week or two weeks ago, the guy's not a good goalie. Nobody wanted him a couple years ago. He was about to go back to Sweden, and for some reason Chuck Fletcher brought him back. Um, it's kind of been annoying to me that he's stolen starts from Sam Harrison because I want to get a longer look at this kid because, like I said, he looks legit. but. Sandstrom has showed he's not a good goalie. Um, the whole waivers thing, like they kept Erson in the minors because they were scared someone would pick Sandstrom up. 
well, one, I don't think anyone will. Elliot Friedman's reporting no one's willing to trade for him. And two, the guy's just not good. Straight up, he's not good. It's funny. I feel like they like were worried about him getting waived, and then like a week later, Erickson was back. And it's like, okay, I guess that really kept them up at night. Yeah, so I, I think he gets waived at this point. <laughs> this is his writings on the wall here. I, I think that has John Fletcher's hands all over it. Um, yeah, who did I say? John, John Fletcher, a new, a new person. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, we have a, a coach. Uh, a coach. Yeah, we got a coach me. for the team. Yeah. Sandstrom's getting me all worked up here. I think that uh, <laughs> is all on John Tortorella because I had heard, um, and I guess Jamie Baskow ended up reporting it. Um, he wants Arison to be the backup. He's kind of, he just doesn't want to play Felix anymore. He's seen enough. I think as the fans, we've all seen enough as well. Tortorella said something like that. I can't remember exactly what interview, uh, but he, he put Sandstrom down like almost like an afterthought when asked about him. And he said, said Erson's the backup. And he just looks, no, Sandstrom. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of he's not good. Like it was, it was <laughs> I don't even know if it was worse than that, knowing him, but it was just like, yeah, he's just not it. Like, you know, and it was on to Urson at that point. And it, it stuck out to me. Like, it's like, yeah, like, geez, that's pretty, that's he's straight to the back. point. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think at the time I thought about them, like being worried about him being picked up, but it's like, you know, so this report, it just, I'm not surprised at all. I don't think anybody is, right. you know, yeah, only Fletcher, I guess. I'm totally fine with that answer by Torts, by the way. Cause I mean, let, like, this is the NHL, right? Like, Obviously, as fans, we want certain things to happen, right? Like, we know the Flyers don't have a shot to win the Stanley Cup, maybe even not even make the playoffs. So it would make sense for us to want them to tank. As a coach who gets paid by the team, your goal is to come in and win. So if you have two goalies that are playing very well, those are the ones that you want on your team. You know, and you have a third one that's not playing so good, Give me the two that are playing well. Why is Sandstrom still here? So uh, I, I kind of appreciate that, that, uh, that by Tortorella because there is a standard. Why are we keeping this guy around if, he, if he's not, um, you know, performing? So it's, it's almost refreshing to, to hear him say that because this is the NHL. This isn't, this isn't a, a place where you figure it out. You need to come in here and be ready to go. And so I, I appreciate that from towards there. Um, you know, it's funny real quick on that. Like this is exactly why we wanted a, a coach like towards here. Now Sandstrom wasn't the first name that came to mind when I was thinking of players who needed that swift kick in the ass, yeah. but it's great that it goes to everybody and not just certain people either. Because I felt previous coaches had definitely singled out players that was kind of baffling to me. So this it's like rest of fresh air is a perfect way to put it. Yeah, and you know what? Sandstrom might even be a – like, this guy's not part of the long-term future. He's not under contract for years and years. He's not a guy that they're depending on. He's not a guy that you need to be uh, fragile with or, or cautious with. And this sounds terrible to say, um, but he's a guy that you can use as an example. You know, like, this is the standard I'm setting. I can use a guy like Sandstrom, as terrible as that is to say – as an example of you know what the standard is, if if you can't come in here and be a viable backup goalie option, you're not going to be here. So if someone's going to outperform you, sorry, your spot's lost. That's how it should be, you know. Um, and unfortunately for for Felix Sandstrom, he he's the guy uh, 
to be used there. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he, if he's waived. You're right, Trav. That's got that's got torch written all over it. You know, they they sent Ursan down, uh, called Sandstrom back up, and now it looks like they're going to waive Sandstrom because they can't trade him. I don't know who would want him, but you know, maybe hey, maybe Hextall, maybe trade him for you know. I heard that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that. Six, seven round. Pick I Hextall. I've been wondering. Um, Pittsburgh's rumored for a left shot defenseman. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if he's interested in Ghost. He's the uh, one who signed him to that deal. Yeah. There you go. That, I mean, that something would, that came into mind. That would be something. That would be fun. You know, because it, it, it's weird to say. I, I still don't like Pittsburgh, but, you know, this whole Crosby, Malkin, Latang thing, it's coming to the end here. And I appreciate mm-hmm. watching Sidney. I appreciate the way he plays. Now, I still don't like Malkin and Latang. Um, but that would be fun to see a move like that. Uh, I hope they don't win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> uh, but that would be a fun move to see Ghost go to Pittsburgh and, and do whatever there. But um, I hope they give up a lot for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. I hope they get absolutely screwed. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, we do have one more segment to get to. Uh, we kind of already talked about Hayes and, and where he could be moved at the trade deadline with TB. You guys, we'll make this kind of quick here. Do you think he actually uh, does get moved by the trade deadline, Jack? And you know, would you be happy with uh, retaining $2 million on him for the next however many years? Yeah, yeah, I would be thrilled. It depends on the return, uh, but I don't I don't see it happening. Deals, I just can't see teams loading up for a playoff run, taking on these deals of multi-year players. I just feel like they don't – it's an off-season trade. It just feels like an off-season trade. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same position. I'm praying Colorado gets a little desperate. Um DB kind of talked about it like new hook really just hasn't gotten the job done and everything's just kind of constipated (laughs) over in the West. I don't know how else to put it, but I I could see them doing something like that. That's really about it. Well, I don't know. The flyers would have to eat money and then maybe I could say it. That's the only way I see it happening. That new hook guy, huh? Thank God we didn't trade Drew for him. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that's just a case of, you know, they gave him more responsibility and that team has just been absolutely ravaged by injuries constantly mm-hmm. all year. I mean, it just, just could be, you know, I'm sure he's a good player. He's probably going to have a nice, you know, career, but that team is just out of whack right now. Um, so yeah, this Kevin Hayes thing is interesting because talking to DB, it almost sounded like he was one of the first guys he mentioned. Like I, I didn't, I had Hayes's name written down here, but he was like the the fourth or fifth guy I was going to ask about because I didn't think that it was, you know, really feasible, but apparently teams are calling up. So, you know, you know, I wonder if it's like the, the Ellis, uh, Ryan Ellis thing before, like we heard a lot of you, at least, you know, a few of us heard a lot at the trade deadline, but it was like framing for the off season. Maybe it's, maybe it's more of that, you know, Mm -hmm. could be. Uh, all right, so we're about an hour and a half into the episode. We do want to, we, we have a new segment that we kind of want to do. We haven't really named it yet, um, but we're, we're keeping track of where former Flyers are and, and what they're up to uh, these days. Uh, I think around other leagues, right, Trav? You kind of have this information. Uh, we'll come up with the name for it in the future, but uh, go ahead. Let's, let's let you get to this first official installment of this segment. Yeah, well, we'll think of a name for it, but I mean – I guess a lot of people like keeping up with this stuff. I do. Uh, maybe if you're a watcher or a listener, you can tell us if you do like it or if you don't. Maybe maybe we won't do it if everyone hates it. But we do see a lot of people on Twitter 
Um, they like keeping up with the former Flyers guys. It doesn't have to be overseas. It could be in the NHL. I mean, we talked about Ghost last week, um, possibly going to Edmonton. We'll see what happens. But um, we think we'll just talk about some former Flyers and what they're up to. Um, last week, Andre Mazaros retired. I think that came as a surprise to a lot of people because he last played in the NHL in 2015 with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, he went and played in the KHL for a handful of years, then went home, played in Slovakia for three years, put up a lot of points. Um, but I know, Jim, you always liked Mez. I always liked Mez. Um, I thought he was a really good player until all the injuries started catching up with him. And then he was in and out of the lineup here. We were actually in a playoff spot, and then we traded him. That doesn't usually happen too much. Um, traded him to Boston. I think he went to Buffalo finished his NHL career there, but kind of crazy to think about Andre Mazzaro's just retired last week. It is crazy. I I got his Jersey. I love Mazzaro's huge I, fan. I did too. Andre From another time, man. Another yeah. time this team was like into it. His first year in Philly was great. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was such a fan. I, I, I had friends who knew who he was from his time in Ottawa, not so much in Tampa, but like, yeah, you know, and he came here. I wasn't sure which Mazaros we're going to get. And man, right off the bat, I, I really liked him. And yeah, it was it was a shame. It was the injuries. I think it was one major one. I remember him coming back from. It was like, wow, he is not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always have fond memories because of that first year. It was really, it was a really good time. Yeah, that first year he was great. He had thirty-two points, eighty-one games. Uh, I mean, dude, the shot that guy had on the power play, absolute bomb. Um, and then the next season, he played 62 games. He got hurt at the end of the regular season. Flyers go out. They trade for Nick Grossman and Pavel Kubina. Um, Mazzaro ends up coming back in the playoffs. Didn't do too well. And then the next season, only played 11 games, two assists. And then after that, I mean, you could just tell he couldn't really keep up anymore. Um, we'll go to another former flyer. This guy didn't play a whole lot more so known for his time with the Phantoms. Um, but former third round pick from the flyers in 2013, Tyrell Goldborn. Um, he's been floating around in the minors for the last couple of years and he ended up retiring in the off season, but he recently came out of retirement, joined the Ontario rain, who was the Kings AHL team. And he scored a goal and got in a fight in his first game. Hey. Oh, man. Tyrell Goldborn. I remember I definitely didn't like that pick at the time, I'm being honest with you. Felt like a guy you can get in the later rounds. But I remember his first game against the Blues. Pretty sure he had a pretty big hit and directly led to a goal. And then I don't remember seeing much of him after that. I used to watch his fights on YouTube all the time. When he was with the Phantoms and when he was um, with the – Cologne with Kelowna in the WHL. I used to watch his fights on YouTube all the time. Man. Um, yeah, I mean, you could add Duclair, a couple other guys, but, you know, you just go with the goon, right? <laughs> go with the goon. Attaboy, Homer. <laughs> um, last one I got for you. Former flyer Yuri Laterra and former flyer goalie prospect Nico Hovenin won the championship over in Sweden in the SM Liga. Wow. That was just a couple of days ago. Yep. Imagine being in that friggin' party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Imagine partying with Yuri Laterra. I mean, come on. I think that's where Gritty came from. Yuri Laterra's cottage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good for them. That's that's pretty cool. This that goalie prospect 
I don't recall that guy at all. Oh, he was like six. He was like six foot eight. Yeah, I remember that. He was like, I think he was like a seventh round pick or something. I can't remember. I just remember he was really tall. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. What was his name again? Nico, N I K O. Hovinen, H O V Hovinen, H O V I N E N. Huh. We should, uh, you know, what we should do. We should maybe do some trivia, some some listener, cool. some some listener trivia for the for the viewers here. That'd be fun. Nobody, if if anybody would remember that guy's name, I think I have some blank flyers jerseys well, up there that I never gave gave away. I could give some of those out if somebody would have guessed Nico Hovinen. <laughs> You when, absolutely when we, win a flyer. How did we jersey? get him? I want to know if I got the, the draft right because I haven't heard that name and I can't tell you how long. Um, so what I have here is that he's six foot seven and he's 34 years old. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Still irrelevant, that's all they have. <laughs> almost older than me. Well, funny Sorry. thing is, you say whoever would have heard of him. So he's actually one of the best goalies to use in the NHL video games. Just because of how tall he is. Get out of here. That that's how the game works. You just get the tallest goalie. Like everyone used to play with either him or Ben Bishop. Are you serious? <laughs> yep. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. Nope. Uh, I don't know how we got him. I must be thinking of somebody else. He was drafted by the Wild. Tell me Fletcher drafted him. <laughs> uh, 2006. Probably not. No, 2006. Yeah. 100, 132nd overall. Oh. But um, while I look this up, hopefully. We'll start doing this more often if you guys like it, and um, hopefully we have some bigger names in the future. You can't I get think, much bigger than Mazzaro's. Come on. All right, you're not wrong. You should have wore the jersey, man. But um, yeah, I should have. Damn it. Looks like uh, we signed him as a. We signed Mazzaro like... to a one-day contract for his time. <laughs> Just for you, Jen. Here he is. <laughs> it looks like the Wild never signed him to an entry-level deal after he was drafted. So in 2011, the flyer signed him to a two year entry level contract. And then he played overseas and then was claimed by the waiver or by the Oilers on waivers. And he went back to Europe the next season, never played in the NHL. How about that? What a shame. Well, well good. congratulations for him in his championship. Yeah, very. <laughs> you know, his I, heart doesn't explode after his night with, with Yuri. That was good. I need to get like uh, an applause here, an applause uh, video clip for after that. Clip that was good. Or noise, or can I just reach to it? Yeah. But I'm I trying to think. Try to think of a name, and hopefully some flyers are in trade rumors next week. Make it a little bit more interesting. But new segment we thought of. I could play my rumors clip next week that I forgot. Oh, he loves week. that clip. Should I play it before yeah. we sign off? Let's do it. Remind everybody. I love rumors. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that was it. That's literally all it was. Uh, we're coming to the end here, guys. I, I do want to air one grievance that I have, Uh-oh. and it's fantasy hockey grievance. Uh-oh. So in our league, Jack, uh, the top two teams in our league are 14 and 4. Four of their eight total losses are against me. <laughs> However, I was on a nice little five-game heater. I'm, I'm back in the playoff race. Right? Like my division's really, really tight. I'm going up against a Servio who's, you know, bottom five team. I'm not even sure he pays attention anymore. He's beating me all week long. Sunday night, 
I go to check the score. I win the week by one point. Oh. One point I win. And I'm, I'm good. I'm like, all right, all I got to do is win one more week, and I'm securely in the playoffs. Tuesday night rolls around, and I'm like, ah, you know what? Let me just go, let me just go check the score and before I go to bed. And I go to check the standings, and I have one more loss than I did. <laughs> I knew that's night. where you were going with it. There must have been a stat correction, and I uh-huh. lost by six points. Wow. I don't, I don't typically oh, wow. get angry at, uh, you know, fantasy sports, especially fantasy hockey, because a lot can change. And if it's football, I'll get a little mad because I take football a little bit more serious. But mm-hmm. I was angry because <laughs> I thought I had won that week for two nights in a row, and all week long I'm kind of sweating it out. I'm like, I'm on a, a, a five or six game heater. I'm beating the best teams in the league. How am I going to lose to this guy? And when I won by one point, I felt like I got away with something. So when Tuesday night came around and I I saw that I had lost, I was angry. And now I have an uphill battle to get into the playoffs yet again. What's your record? Uh, I'm 10 and 8 now. I was 5 and 7 at one point. Why are you talking crazy, Jim? I sold at the trade deadline for the first time since week one. I am 500. I am 9 and 9. I am 9 and 9. I lost Matthews for like two weeks, like, and somehow, some way, and I sold Latang, and I sold Pavelski, and it's somebody else, and I am nine and nine, right in the thick of the playoff hunt. <laughs> I want to be in, in that. I conference. might even pass you on the way there. I'm ten and eight, and I'm in last place in my division, and I'm sixth in my conference. Yeah, your division is ridiculous. Wow. Your I'm division pissed. is stupid. But there's that other division that the guy's going to get in with like a five and nine record, like something stupid. Yeah, I'm going to miss the playoffs because of that stack correction. That that's why I was angry, because <laughs> there's I don't think anybody else in my conference is going to lose the. I think there's what two weeks left. That was a massive. Uh, I'm going to protest. I think I'm going to find oh a way. Man, to I hope I don't screw things up for you. Nah, just just win. Just be if you're playing. Uh, if you're playing Ferrari, if you're playing. Um, I might get oh, in if I win. If I get that. in, I might knock you out. I oh, know. You know, you're in the other uh, conference. Oh, that's why I think I'm. I have a shot. Yeah, do <laughs> yeah, wherever you play. All right, boys. We're about an hour and forty-two minutes into this bad boy. Any final thoughts? I've aired my frustrations. Anything you guys want to put out there before we wrap up? I think stack corrections are bullshit. You play the the game where it lies. All right. And once it ends, it ends. Too bad. Totally. Um, Is that if you're listening? God damn it. <laughs> heed that advice. He does not listen to the crowd. <laughs> he goes to the beat of his own drummer and that's it. Um, as far as the team is concerned. Um, yep. Don't expect much until almost trade deadline final hour, which I think is like 3 PM. Uh, what did we say? March, March 3rd is it again? March 3rd, Friday. I knew it. It's like right here. I think it's close. Oh my god! I think I, I, I don't know. Well, hopefully, we have considerably more to talk about next week. I think some JVR rumors will definitely pick up. However, I think he's still going to be here, but that's okay. Yeah, Trav. Any final thoughts? I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. Um, when talking to DB, I liked what he had to say about Cartsy and Richie. <laughs> um, I talked to Frank Saravalli and. Jason Martinez kind of off the record, see what they thought about them guys. And they both said similar. Well, both guys actually liked Mike Richards, both in the media and off the record. 
but both had the same things to say about Carty on the record. Like this guy just did not want to talk to you about anything. Um, Jason said he used to talk to Carty a little bit off cam and it was cool, but uh, you couldn't really get much out of him in front of the camera. I don't know. I like hearing that kind of stuff because they're two of my favorite players ever. So, for sure. Does that bother you at all that they're just like what nothing to do with the media or you're just like, nah, screw it. As long as they're good. No, I actually always loved that. Like I kind of sense like the same thing in Nolan Patrick. Like back when I had hopes for that guy, I was like, man, this guy just wants nothing to do with the media. He just wants to play hockey. He gave me Mike Richards vibes and didn't really go that way. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I like it too. I feel like if you're going to be like that, you need to be good. Like yeah. you need to oh, be yeah. established. Oh, yeah. You can't be like, you know, this new guy and you know, whatever you got to kind of put in your, your time a little bit. And then when you start blowing up, it's like, I don't need to talk to you anymore. I'm, I'm I, good. I will say like them guys gave different interviews than Giroux. Like Giroux was like the worst interview ever. He's just yeah, like, he was bad. we, we got to be better. Like he would say that five times in an interview after every single game, like at least Carty and Richie would give you a little something. Just sometimes it would be, you know, kind of rude, yeah. I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, I don't know. I guess like being like a PK Subban or like a Kevin Hayes during an interview, like helps grow the game. And I think you need guys like that on your team, but I don't have a problem if you're just want nothing to do with the media. I think you need a mix of both. Yeah, for sure. I, I enjoy it. I, I like that kind of stuff. Maybe, maybe we're just jerks. I don't know. But uh, I just thought they just did, never had personalities really. Like, you know, sure oh, they, they had didn't. personality. Off no, 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 no. Yeah, don't get confused. <laughs> don't get confused. I know why they were traded, but like, I've seen them do like commercials and it's like absolutely brutal. Yeah. You know? So I'm like, maybe they just, you know, I don't know. They don't interact well with strangers. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, but hey, but you're right, 100 right. They got to be good if they're going to be like that. They better be good for sure. All right, so we're going to end this episode, boys and girls. If you're one of the viewers still hanging out with us, thanks a lot, guys. You made it to the end of the episode. Uh, you don't win anything, at least not tonight. Maybe we'll do something in the future where if you do make it to the end of the episode, maybe we'll hand out some prizes. That could be a cool idea. Uh, thank you for everyone that tuned in. Thank you to our guest, Mr. Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period. Uh, that is going to do it for episode 17 of season five. We will be back next week. That'll be our official trade deadline episode, I believe. If we're a trap, actually, you're doing something uh, live for the trade deadline, aren't you? You want to promote that at all? Is that next Friday? Uh, next Friday? No, actually, weeks? you know what? That's going to be two weeks. All right. So no, we it is next time. Friday. Yeah, it's a week. Um, Friday, yeah. Okay, I'm good then. I'm hoping to do something. Um, for those who don't know, I also work for Nasty Knuckles, and there's a possibility we interview a couple guys on Friday. If that doesn't happen, um, I'll be doing a live stream over on my channel. We'll be going for a couple hours, having fun, talking trades, talking pucks. Come hang out. There you go. I love the trade then. I love this time of year. I love it too. Uh, I love getting guests yeah. on. I love all the live shows, the anticipation. It's just fun. It's fun for us. And there's, there hasn't been much fun uh, for Flyers fans of late. So we get excited for this kind of stuff. So everyone, hopefully you're hanging out with us the next couple of weeks. You're in for a good time. Uh, like I said, that's going to do it. Next time you catch us will be next week. Drink your green stuff. Take your vitamins. Everybody enjoy the rest of your night. We'll see you next week. Go Flyers.